The words workplace and worker health have taken on whole new meanings in the year-plus-long pandemic. But NIOSH, the National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health, part of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, is on a long-term research program. Through its own work and that of grantees, it's looking to develop what it calls integrated holistic approaches to worker well-being. Here with an update, the director of NIOSH's Office for Total Worker Health, Dr. Casey Chosewood. Dr. Chosewood, good to have you on. Thanks. Good morning. It's good to be with you. And I guess we're about halfway into a program that has about a 10-year timeline. So tell us the big picture here. What is this program all about? Sure thing. You know, when you have the word total in your program title, it's a pretty uh, comprehensive, all-inclusive program. You know, but at the end of the day, what we're really most interested in is what does it take in the work experience to increase the well-being of workers? Now, obviously, that's good for workers themselves. It's good for their families. It's good for their communities when they leave work happy, healthy, well-paid. But the secret sauce of total worker health, if you will, is those workers who go home at the end of the day after a satisfying work experience, they come back to work the next morning with more energy, more health, more happiness, more engagement in their work. And the company benefits as well. So we're really looking for the research that underpins this sweet spot where workers can be well and they can contribute the most possible input to their jobs and their daily lives. So that quickly is a way that we would describe the Total Worker Health Program. And when you say worker, what does that mean precisely? It's a word we hear a lot, and the CEO is a worker because he or she is working as much as a miner digging coal out of the seam. I guess we still have a little bit of that in this country, but you get the idea. Exactly. Almost all Americans at one point during their life are workers, whether it's paid or unpaid, whether it's you know a full-time job or a, a gig career where we piece together multiple jobs. Almost all of us at some point are workers. And that's the beauty of a program like this is it's not one size fits all. It's not sort of you know a plug and play wellness program off the shelf. This program is ideally part of an ongoing attempt to build a better workplace culture, whether that's in a coal mine or it's on a factory floor or it's in a sales room of an auto dealership or in the CEO suite. We really do feel like there are solutions and interventions that help people at every stage of their career, whether they're 16 years old just beginning a job. There are lots of issues that those young workers have that need attention, and some of our programs deal with the challenges and issues of young workers. But the largest growing segment of our workforce is those workers in their eighth decade of life, right? People age 70 to 80. They make up the biggest part of our workforce. Their issues are going to be different, and our program should have solutions for them as well. So a great example of a program for an older worker is what does it take for someone with a disability or diabetes or depression to still be able to perform as well as they possibly can on the job and contribute? As our country ages, as we all need to stay in the workforce longer perhaps than a generation ago, we need solutions that will help workers across that working lifespan as they age and as they need additional accommodations and interventions to continue what we call workability, the ability to still work as long as you need to or want to. And for most people, work can be positive. It can add quality. It can add meaning to your life. A lot of people really enjoy work. Others, unfortunately, have jobs that are not quite so good, 
And those are areas where we really feel we still have more research to do and more work to do to sure. improve the quality of those jobs. Well, I'm staring down the gun barrel at that uh, 70th year myself. Not quite there yet, but luckily wow. I love the work <laughs> I do, so I may check back in. But let me ask you this. The right. site says that you are working to build the evidence base for an integrated, holistic approach to worker well-being. Maybe just translate that for us. Sure. So you're really getting at what our goals are of the program, right? How do we build that evidence base? And we use sort of a traditional NIH model of research to fund academic centers to actually delve deep into the challenges that workers are facing. And we look at sort of what are the hot spots? What are the main stressors and challenges that workers are facing? And we fund research specifically in that area on a priority basis. So if I had to say, you know, one of the most important goals of our program is to better understand what well-being among workers looks like. And one of our research projects has been to develop a well-being metric, a tool that within 12 minutes an organization can give its workers and better understand where are its well-being challenges, are they safety-related, are they health-related, are they financial, are they family-related, all of these things can help an employer pinpoint where most of their pain points are and have a, you know, a way to deal with them. We're also increasingly interested in programs around workplace stress because we know that's an emerging, growing problem. Unfortunately, workplace stress is a common pathway for so many poor outcomes. High stress leads to more injury. High stress leads to more chronic disease. It leads to more mental health challenges, which many of our workplaces are under a mental health challenge and crisis right now. Stress leads to job turnover. We even now have better research that shows that workplace stress can be responsible for many of the cases of the leading cause of death, heart disease. Up to one in five cases of cardiovascular disease is thought to have its origins in our exposures at work. Any of the ways that we can use our research to decrease some of these main challenges is really where we're trying to build this evidence base and move the field forward. We're speaking with Dr. Casey Chosewood. He's director of the Office for Total Work Health at the National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health, NIOSH. And who does this type of research? Uh, you are doing some of it in-house, and there are grant programs for, what, right. academics mostly? And what are the disciplines that can look at this? Yeah, that's a great question. Indeed, we do fund six total worker health centers of excellence around the country. They've been funded now for more than a decade, and we have a new round. We have 21 new applicants that have just applied for our next round of funding. In general, we fund centers at the rate of about one and a half to $3 million per year each to do specific research in this area of total worker health. Our current centers are at Harvard, Oregon Health and Sciences University, Colorado, University of Illinois, Chicago, Iowa, and then we have a joint program in New England with UMass Lowell and UConn. But we also have beyond these funded centers a network of 50 total worker health affiliates around the country that we don't fund at all. But because they see the value in these interventions, they are on board as affiliates who are learning, living laboratories for this research. And it's really a way for us to take a little bit of federal funds and extend the reach of this program to almost all of our states, to many different organizations, nonprofits, other schools, and activities. And you mentioned what domains we work in. We're really very much interested in the future of work, what it's going to look like tomorrow, the needs of special populations of workers, 
Construction, we know, has high risk and challenges. Healthcare right now is really challenged with lots of burnout. The pandemic has been really challenging for healthcare workers. This is going to be the focus of a lot of our research going forward. Transportation workers. Did you know that like 70 to 80 percent of long-haul truck drivers are obese? And that's not because only heavy folks sign up to be truck drivers. It's an indictment of the job itself. A take-home benefit of being a trucker, unfortunately, is obesity. There's great research underway in our centers that can fix that problem. Those are the kind of issues that we're interested in. Yeah, maybe you could come up with a better menu for the Flying J or something where they stop in and (laughs) eat on the way to the road. But there's a lot of intellectual property being generated. How does that translate into a usable product for a given, say, class of employer? Yeah, that's a great question. And you know, our research program is really um, the actual bench research or the basic research is only part of our effort. We call our program a research-to-practice sort of overarching program. And the practice piece is how you take the science and translate it into useful interventions, useful guidance documents, useful trainings for supervisors and managers, those tool kit, tabletop talks, lunch and learns that really are part and parcel of the work experience for many people. So all of our funded centers not only have funds to do research, but they also have translation and communication requirements built into their funding to produce for their local region and the nation tools, resources, guidance documents, recommendations for uh, moving their research actually into day-to-day practice. We have more than 50 promising practices that sort of highlight some of these best findings from our research on our website. And we've got lots and lots of free, very useful, oftentimes industry and job-specific guidance that I think your listeners would love to take a look at. All right. And is there a way of building some sort of a national metric that you can use over the long term to find out if these programs are actually having a difference statistically? Yeah. You know, it's a perfect opportunity for me to introduce our newest tool that we just released last week. So the timing of our discussion is fortuitous. We have just released something we're calling the NIOSH WellBQ, and WellBQ stands for Worker Wellbeing Questionnaire. And this 12-minute, 68-item questionnaire can be used in organizations, large or small, can be used in one team or across the whole enterprise. And very quickly, It identifies sort of how your workplace is doing in the measure of worker well-being. But even better than that, it identifies the domain where you should first prioritize your intervention. Is it related to their supervisory relationships? Is it related to traditional safety hazards? Is it uh, personal medical issues or concerns? Is it mental health? These really quick, easy-to-use tools give immediate information to help organizations design the best program with the best fit for their own specific workplace. And this is downloadable right now? It is. It's available now. It's free of charge. People can use the survey today, have information tomorrow about where they need to invest to improve the health and well-being of their workforce. Dr. Casey Chosewood is director of the Office for Total Work Health at the National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks so much for having me. We'll post this interview along with a link to that survey at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on your schedule. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows. We now bring you a special presentation from our friends at WEPA. Shane, thanks for joining us. Can you tell us about WEPA and your new podcast? Mike, great to see you again. 
The podcast series, Lessons in Leadership, what we're trying to do is, is take a deeper dive, a different angle into the conversation around leadership with great leaders at all levels of government. Uh, since the 1900s, leadership has been studied in a serious and academic way. Uh, great man theory, the leader-follower theory, the inspirational leader, transformational leader, all of these are backward-looking um, development of styles, looking at an individual, figuring out how they did leadership, and then translating it into a form that we can use today to learn, to perhaps emulate, copy. But great leaders, they have more than one style. I think I truly think that a great leader can adapt and transform into the role that's needed at that time. So what we're trying to do is, is talk to great leaders and go a level deeper. Tell us about your, a story in your past. Tell us an inspiration that really affected your ability to lead others. And this certainly applies in the uh, federal space. The federal government, it's over 2 million employees, Great leaders are throughout the federal government, both at the top and the middle ranks. And what we want to do is ask them to pull inside their memory, pull inside their personal history, find those moments in time when they were changed, they were inspired, they learned something about leadership from another person, perhaps it was uh, from themselves, and they brought that to the workplace, and they inspired other and became great leaders. So that's what we're trying to do with the podcast. Okay, so I, I get that you wanted to start with leadership, but what makes leadership such an important topic right now for federal workers? Great question. Leadership today is tested like never before. Um, today's, if I had to put a leadership style, if I had to put names to it, we hear about um, empathetic, we hear transparent, we hear uh, inspirational. So today we have COVID, we have a down economy, we have people, we have social uh, injustice that we're dealing with. There are many new factors. And it's drawing like never before on a leader's ability to pull from within themselves and adapt to the current change. So leadership today is almost brand new again. We're taking all kinds of different styles, attributes, learnings that leaders have. They're looking at the current situation that we're in and understanding how do I move groups of people? How do I move my employees? How do I inspire? How do I get them to the next best place? So I think leadership today, this conversation uh, is extremely relevant, perhaps more relevant than it's been in several decades. You know, we talk about an employee's personal route to growth, but what role does the management side have in this? I think in the federal government, it's, it's a little bit different than it is in the private sector. Uh, my father was a civilian federal employee uh, he joined the federal government in the 1960s. Uh, John Kennedy, he was inspired by ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. He had opportunities to go in the private sector. That notion of service inspired him. 
it inspired an entire generation. I would like to think that call to service, which is unique in, in the federal space, in the government space, still exists today. Well, that about says it all. But is anything else you'd want the audience to know about you personally or WEPA as an, as an organization? Uh, I have been uh, around the group Affinity Insurance world for um, three decades. I've uh, led this is my second uh, major organization that I've led. And I will tell you that we impart this feeling, uh, you mentioned it, Mike, about service, this notion. We serve those who serve. And uh, I will tell you that it's refreshing. It's a blessing to be there. And <clears throat> I have so much respect for civilian federal employees at every level of government. In this podcast, we're hoping to talk to leaders which are similarly inspired and can share their learnings over a lifetime. And uh, this will be useful information uh, for anybody in government service. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.